What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your host here on this Thursday episode of the show. We got a lot to get to today. I hear the Houston Texans have themselves a new coach. And another day of Senior Bowl practice is in the books. Kyle, good morning. Good morning. We have one more day of practice. This week always goes so fast. It's the worst part about the week. Because it's like, it's your oasis of football in the midst of like, for everybody, there's no more football. And then like, you have this event and it's a week and think, oh, well, a week's a long time. No, a week goes by like that. You blink and you miss it. And uh, today's probably going to be more walkthroughs than anything. And nevertheless, this still managed to be one of the two days that got broadcast airtime or broadcasting Tuesday's practice. But uh, yeah. We'll get a practice. We'll get a game on Saturday. Uh, but Senior Bowl, we're, we're kind of over the hill here from the evaluation perspective. Yeah, the meaningful reps are pretty much behind us. But we'll get to that here today. Um, David Culley, head coach, Houston Texans. The theme that I saw in monitoring the social media response to this last night was a lot of people had no idea who David Culley is. And um, he's been coaching for a long time. He's 65 years old. He's been coaching at least at the college level since 1978. Most recently, the assistant head coach, wide receivers coach, and passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens since 2019. Two years as the Bills quarterbacks coach behind that. Uh, three seasons in Kansas City as the assistant head coach and wide receivers coach. Then he had a long stretch with Andy Reid in Philadelphia, like a, a decade, and then a you know a bunch of stops before that. But never, never a head coach in college or um, the NFL and a team that, you know, we feel like is, you know, they're going through some stuff, Houston. And I think that the, the general consensus here is that this hire is pretty uninspiring. He is the oldest first time head coach based off NFL research for, I saw that on the timeline. Um, he himself had resided that he was never going to get a head coaching job. I saw that on the timeline last night. Uh, my general reaction to this hire is this is kind of candidate you get when you run an operation the way the Houston Texans are running their operation. And I say that with hoping for the absolute best for Coach Cully, right? It's an amazing opportunity. There's only 32 of these jobs. Uh, you wish every single one of them were successful. We know that's not going to be the case. But Houston, amid potentially trying to mend a bridge with a 25-year-old franchise quarterback and, and quickly turn around your roster and be competitive. Hired the fifth oldest, fifth oldest head coach in the NFL right now. He's never been a head coach before. Um, he was the passing game coordinator for the worst passing offensive football last year, the Baltimore Ravens. And some of that's personnel related. I understand that. Um, this, to me, was like, who else was going to take the job? Leslie yeah. Frazier. That was the other guy. Right. Those are two finalists. But though, if how are those your finalists when you fired your coach in October? Yeah. Yeah. That to me is, is the biggest issue at hand here. I think there were some people that probably said they weren't interested. You know, uh, I bet there were a whole bunch. Yeah. So there's, there's that piece of it. Um, I'll say this. If we were trying to find some, 
some positivity here in this hire. We talk all the time that the most important characteristics of a head coach is leadership, their ability to establish culture, their ability to, you know, command a room and, and, um, do what's necessary for players to be the best versions of themselves. And no, I don't think you're going to look over the success of the Baltimore passing game or the Bills quarterbacks or, uh, you know, obviously you love that he has experience with Coach Reed and Andy Reed's just produced one of the most impressive coaching trees ever. But if, you know, we're not going to be able to look and see that the Baltimore Ravens were 32 in passing last year, and that's not going to tell us anything about his leadership skills. Because maybe he is that CEO type guy that needs to steady the ship and um, come in and just be that type of experienced figurehead for this team right now. I think that's where you're looking for hope um, in the hire. You know, I I listened briefly to Locked On Texans to kind of get some of the reaction. And they were kind of really buying into the fact that he was there in 2019 in Baltimore and that offense was really dynamic and it was different. And, you know, and obviously the experience with coach Reed. So I I think if you're going to cling to two things, you're, you're probably, those are, those are the things that come to mind for me, at least if I'm trying to find positivity here. Did you see your general manager, Brandon Bean on WGR this morning? I don't think I did. What do I need to know? He said he was shocked. Leslie oh. Frazier was passed over for the Texans job. I think you got to say that, right? Added he's not quite sure what the Texans were looking for if it wasn't Leslie Frazier. I think that's what you say about your own guy, right? Of course. Yeah. And Leslie Frazier's done a good job with the Bills defense. And, you know, he had a – I don't know that his run in Minnesota was very good. He took a Christian Ponder quarterback team to 10 wins in the playoffs – He's had some really impressive defenses throughout his career. And I think from a leadership perspective, like he does give you that. And I think you can probably buy into a lot of those similarities that I said about coach Coley and apply them to Leslie Frazier as that type of coach for this team right now. But I don't think you look at Leslie Frazier and say, yeah, this is the guy that's going to really build our program and, and be the, the dynamic coach of this team for a long, long time. You know, so I think those kind of, those things apply to both Coley and Frazier. It's a senior bowl. <laughs> Kyle, are you madder about this hire of Josh Heupel? I don't give two shits about the Houston Texans job. <laughs> All right. You feel some I mean, sort of way about that, te- that Tennessee one, though, right? I do. Okay. I mean, there, there's there's a whole domino effect here of, of Deshaun Watson and how this hire could help accelerate the league getting turned completely on its head this offseason, so... Um, I guess we'll see what the aftermath of this hire is before before I get too in my feelings one way or another about the hire. Yeah. Well, if it pushes, if it's the the final push to get Deshaun out the door, maybe he's already there. I think then we can already say that that was very stupid. But well, I think it's it's interesting. I think you can always tell who in media, who in media on what side is talking to which parties right (laughs) Right. i think it's 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 very clear i think with this whole saga to know who's talking to deshaun in his camp versus who is talking to the team and representatives within the team and there was i think it was aaron wilson who's extremely plugged in on the team and uh he was talking about how the um 
the expectation was that that Cully coached Deshaun at the Pro Bowl in 2019, and they had this great uh, relationship that they forged over that week, and they think they're going to be able to isolate. It's like, hmm, I wonder what who that came from. Yeah, probably the team that has the 25 year old disgruntled quarterback who doesn't want to play for you anymore. That you're just hoping to put anything positive into the air about what, the direction that you're going. I think that's well stated. RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. Are you ready for some football? The NFL playoffs are in full swing, and Super Bowl Sunday is right around the corner. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Maybe you want to put some cash down on the Chiefs or Bucks in the Super Bowl or take advantage of some of those fun prop bets Check out betonline.ag because they have the best lines in the business. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Senior Bowl. I have consumed the national practice because the American practice isn't in the folder. It's not ideal, right? It's not ideal, but I have takeaways. I, I did uh I did O line D line, I did wide receiver corner, and I did um running back tight end against uh, safeties and linebackers and pass uh pass offense pass against coverage. So that that's my exposure to the practice. And I'm not sure if yours goes deeper, but I have things to say about what I saw. Well, I got a lot of takeaways from one position group in particular yesterday. Was it quarterbacks? No. No, because there's, there's just no takeaways to be had with the quarterbacks. So that's what you said yesterday. I was like, you're like going to try to watch these quarterbacks. I'm like, all right, man. No, there's there's nothing happening here other than Mike Tannenbaum suggesting that Sam Ellinger was a top 100 pick yesterday. Do you, do you get nervous that there is this like unfounded love for Sam Ellinger and some of these scouting circles, and that he might just go higher than we think he should? <sighs> I mean, there's there's a zero percent chance his ceiling is higher than Dak Prescott's, right? Oh, for sure, yes, zero percent. But that's like kind of the stocky, mobile, athletic, gritty, productive, general accuracy passer. Like that's that's kind of, I guess, the the picture you could paint if you were like, yeah, we think Sam Ellinger in time can become something and he's got a lot of traits and similar similarity to Dak Prescott. And he came through the senior bowl and was drafted in the fourth round, but like 
yeah. If you're telling me Sam Ellinger is going to be a top 100 pick, I'm very concerned for whatever team makes that decision. <laughs> and that's no shot against Sam. It's just like he's been the same guy for th- three years now. And is that, so his limitations as a passer are going to make it very difficult to justify when we have talked about that vacuum of middle-tier quarterbacks. You can either be mm-hmm. a starter in the NFL or there's a 98.9% chance that you can't be a starter in the NFL. And you don't draft somebody with a 1.1% chance of being a starter in the NFL in the third round. You just don't do that. And all the yeah, guys who can be starters are drafted early. I think that's a good way to put it, man, because football, whether it's the actual game and game scripts or evaluating prospects, I think that it is just a game of probabilities. And I think you have to align yourself with good probability and good chance uh, based on historical information that uh, tells you about skill sets and makeup of, of players and, and how they perform, right? That's literally what we do here um, when we evaluate players. And But it also applies to like game scripts as well. But Yesterday, we kind of started off this discussion by saying, okay, you know, you watched what you've been able to watch. Who's that one player that you felt stood out to you the most in a positive way? Are you asking me that again today? I, yeah, I mean, I have my answer, but if you if you have yours locked and loaded. It's Dwayne, it's Dwayne Eskridge. Dude just runs away from everybody. Uh, quickness at the line of scrimmage. This isn't the first time we've seen a wide receiver become kind of the bell of the ball at the senior bowl, however, Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm asking myself, okay, you know, remember Penny Hart a few years back? Yeah. I think he's still on the Seahawks. I was surprised to learn that. Yeah, he was on the practice squad. I think he got promoted. Um, do you remember Braxton Miller? Braxton oh. Miller was going top 15 when he left the senior bowl that year. Yeah. That's a, that's everybody a good loved goal. Braxton Miller. So, but I'm sitting here and I'm comparing Dwayne Eskridge to those types of receivers who kind of became like the toast of the tail. He's way more experienced as a route runner than Braxton Miller is. He's way more explosive. Remember Penny Hart was like, all that in a bag of chips, and then he ran like four six two or something like that. Like yeah. Dwayne Eskers runs four three, and he's been more explosive and more productive than than either one of those players. So I kind of look at his resume, and it it helps me to alleviate some of the is he this year's Braxton Miller? Is he this year's Penny Hart? No, I don't think. So. I think he is the real deal because of the explosiveness that he has, because he's much more versed in running routes than what Braxton Miller was. And and he's just cooked everybody through two days of practice. You know, for the Penny Hearts and the Braxton Millers of the world, there are the Debo Samuels and the Terry McLaurins, right? That right. right. shine and they wind up being good players. So I, I, I feel what you're saying there. Um, for me, I want to shout out, Division three, Quinn Miners, Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say he was the best football player I watched. But when you have that D3 helmet on, and, man, you see this guy's body composition. He's got, like, his stomach hanging out. And it's just, I mean, it looks like a beer gut to me, man. You know, a good, firm beer gut. And he doesn't care. It's hanging out. 
And the dude's just competing. You know what I mean? He's scrappy, get, you know, just working to get his hands on guys, keeping his hips leveraged and really battling. And I mean, he had some good reps even against the uh, the Washington uh, defensive tackle, Levi Ozariki. And, you know, I, I think you're always interested in seeing how, you know, lower level of competition players come in, and perform at the Senior Bowl. We're not talking about FCS or Division Two, right? We're talking about Division Three. And, um, man, like, I really appreciate appreciate the way he's competing. And, you know, I think in terms of at least yesterday, the the uh, the Wednesday practice, I came away really impressed with him. I'm not going to say he's the next Ali Marpet or anything like that, but he definitely is somebody that is proving he belongs to be there, and I love the energy that he's bringing to the practice field. Where did Ben Barch get drafted? Um, let's find out. Ben Barch. He got drafted. One sixteen overall, early fourth. Yeah, minors will get drafted before Ben Barch did. Ooh, that's a fun take, and I'd say that this is a better O line class than last year. I think Quinn Miners has a huge leg up for being here and showcasing himself the way that he has, and he's he's three hundred twenty pounds, so it's not as though he's no Drake Jackson two ninety two. Mm-hmm. And out here doing this, he he can throw hands and throw weight around a little bit. And some of the double teams that he was working on Tuesday on on inside run and, and nine on seven was, yeah, he's had a great week. There's no question about it. So let's. I have mostly positive things, but I want to flip to somebody that I'm just concerned about. Shaka Tony, Penn State. I he's getting pinballed around, man. You know what I mean? Like his. Guys are cutting him off up the arc easily when he's trying to threaten with speed in one v ones. Like I'm just, I don't know. Like I, 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 I see his lack of size, and I'm seeing it literally be a problem. I, I literally think he's getting pinballed around. No contact balance against these guys. His name was written down yesterday for me to revisit my grade for him because I think he's had the worst two days of of rushing the passer in one on ones of the edge rushers on his team. Like I, how many wins have we seen, you know? And it's just like, he just gets, he gets to the top of the arc and he hasn't won upfield. He doesn't have the strength to collapse the outside shoulder. And he doesn't have the power to transition and roll through and, and collapse you. So I think that's a good call as far as somebody who um, we may have to revisit. And, and we've seen these undersized Penn State edge rushers. They've been a thing before. Uh, Sharif Miller got drafted, I think, at the end of the fourth round. Um, so th- that's not to say that Shaka Tony is you know, doomed to not have a successful NFL career. I will say this. I know how hard he had to put in, put in the work to gain weight mm. during his time at Penn State. And this is the bulked up version of Shaka. So maybe there's a remember Cam Brown from Penn State. It's with the Giants. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe a transition. Cam Brown had the same kind of build. You know, Brown was more of a true out like stack off ball linebacker, but maybe that's a pursuit for Tony that could get him off of oh, 
what he's lacking from a functional strength perspective. Because I agree with you. That's a good call. All right. You got another name you want to bring up? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, you're one of your guys, uh, Amari Rogers. Okay. Uh, he's looked really good this week too. And I know we've had this conversation a little bit before in the past, but he athletically looks so different than what he did in 2019 when he was coming back from the ACL injury. It's like, I think this is finally our glimpse of, and we saw, saw it throughout the course of the 2020 season as well, but like, we're getting to see him at a hundred percent maximum capacity uh, with his health and his explosiveness. And it's a, a really exciting conversation that starts to take place when you think about some of these uh, slot weapon guys like Kadarius Tony and Amari Rogers and Dwayne Eskridge wins from the slot as well. And then you throw Jalen Waddle as a top end of the draft uh, player there. And I, I got to tell you, I, I'm seeing these guys ball out, and I've, I know I've seen some of their tape, and I'm, we're going to you know, cross-reference each other and throughout the rest of the process and, and go back, and I'll get a chance to look at Amari Rogers again. But like, if my impression of Amari Rogers sticks versus what he's shown through two days versus what I saw throughout the course of the season, like, I start really buying into, I don't know if I want to draft a wide receiver in the top 10 of this year's draft. I've thought that too. Um, you know, opportunity costs, right? Like if you want whatever receiver, Jalen Waddle, how much of that do you get in a player in the second or third round and you get a different player where there's not that type there where that drop off is, is more steep, you know, uh, with, with who you're leaving behind. But I, I agree with you. I thought Amari Rogers has, has played well. Um, I think, What'll be challenging about when you go back and watch him at Clemson is that so much of it's manufactured and speed outs and just, you know, lifting coverage and he kind of settle in space and you don't see much vertically down the field, but you know, like he does have some impressive moments yards after the catch. And I, I think that he does look more dynamic compared to when he came off of the ACL tear in 2019. He came back very quickly from that, I think in like six months or something mm -hmm. like that. And he had that one play after the catch against Syracuse where you saw the jets come on. And you didn't really see it much the rest of the year, but I think in 2020 that that was restored. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of Built Bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about. For yourself i'm anxious to i hope that you got a chance to watch some james hudson um the cincinnati offensive lineman offensive tackle they played him a little bit at right tackle um in yesterday's practice and obviously he got a bunch of reps at left tackle but 
I, I, I saw a fundamental difference in the way he was approaching one V ones on Wednesday compared or on Tuesday, whatever day yesterday was compared to the day before um, where he was very intentional about not being patient and pass protection. And it reminds me a lot about Bill Callahan and some of the coaching clinics that I've watched from him and how he teaches guys. He's like, what, what are you waiting for? Like, don't just condense that space and invade their cylinder and like cut off their rush before it even gets going. And I thought he was very intentional about kind of getting into a set, but then just going after guys and, and really being deliberate about making their path wider than, um, than they wanted it to go and really getting to them before they were able to get into their set. So, um, or their pass rush plan. So, you know, I, I, I continue to love the agility, the movement skills, the pop in his hands, all that type of stuff. But I felt like the first day he was patient and I thought that that manifested some problems with some of his balance issues and, and today, and maybe it was a coaching point from, from his, the, you know, the offensive line coach, he was a lot more intentional about being aggressive and kind of uh, not allowing guys to get into the rush. Well, and that's, I had mentioned that in, in speaking with locked on dolphins listeners uh, yesterday in that, it's not just who explodes onto the scene on Tuesday. It's what does your trajectory for the week look like? Mm-hmm. And there are players who may leave even more of a strong, long lasting opinion if they play bad on Tuesday and get better and better and better throughout the course of the week. And I think James Hudson has the chance to be that kind of player and really reaffirm a lot of the positive energy about him as a developmental offensive tackle prospect, because he wasn't great, especially in the grand scheme of some of the other offensive linemen that we saw on Tuesday's practice. But then you get to Wednesday and he takes to the coaching and you understand this is a guy who was playing defensive line and transitioned over and he's got all the athletic tools. And if he comes out and he balls out and then he goes out in the game and he's locked down in the game, buckle in. Because that that stock is is gonna shoot up like GameStop. <laughs> Chris is so happy I got that in there. Chris, what's up, man? I feel so bad. I mean, I, I are you grinding the senior bowl tape? Do you have Jake? Gentlemen, I've been working hard here. Kyle, do we want to make the announcement here at this point of the show? Just completely derail about what you're doing later today. Yeah, sure. You can drop it in here. So later today, the announcement is currently up for the listeners of this program. Here's a little bit of a sneak peek of what's coming later today. Head over to Reddit the RNFL underscore draft subreddit. Your boy Kyle Crab is doing an AMA answering all of your questions starting at 5 p.m. Eastern today. Kyle, there are questions already in there in the announcement thread. They're not even in the right spot yet. Oh, and there are already questions lined up for you. So uh, that's what I've been working on, working on getting this all ready to go. So that's coming later today. Wow. The Kyle Krabs content is here today. Today's draft dudes got locked on Dolphins, the AMA. We got the live stream tonight. It's a good day for Kyle Krabs fans. Right. Do, do, do Kyle's drink Red Bulls or Monsters? I like that question. There's a Dwayne Eskridge one in there as well that uh, I think will translate over into the to the real thread once it goes up a little bit later today. Kyle, who wins a fight, fist fight between Trevor or Ben? Outstanding. Do you have, a, do you have an answer for that? Who wins a fist fight between Trevor and Ben? I kind of feel like Trevor, but I feel like Ben might be that sneaky. See, th- this is good. Only answer this one here. Just like give, give, just give a sneak peek here. Just answer this one here, and then they have to come to the podcast to listen to it later. Who would win a fist fight between Trevor and Ben? Trevor, and the reason is I've never seen Ben 
legitimately angry. And if you're not legitimately angry, I don't know what you're going to be able to provide to a fist fight. Trevor's got a little spunk to him. They'll take Trevor. How about Michael Carter running back from North Carolina? Just don't ask him to pass pro. Oh gosh, no. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> that's, that's not at the wheelhouse, but I thought, you know, you're looking at this player as look, he's going to be a complimentary running back, a guy that um, I hate to use the word th- third down back because the NFL is so pass heavy. It doesn't feel right to say that, but if you're looking for that pass catcher, the guy that had some juice to the perimeter uh, can be that change of pace. If you have kind of a, a more of a, a banger between the tackles as your lead back. I think Michael Carter would be a wonderful compliment. And I thought just with his ability to run routes and catch the football down the field, there was one time against Chaz Surratt, his teammate at North Carolina, where uh, he just basically released and, and ran just straight down the seam. And I mean, he got several steps on Chaz and, and showed good tracking and um, ability to adjust and catch the football over his shoulder. And so I think, uh, for Michael Carter and the role that I expect him to fill in the NFL, I thought it was a good day for him. Yeah. And he, he had a nice way in too, cause he was like short, but super dense. Yeah. It's like five, eight, two ten, or two Oh eight or something like that. It's like, Oh, okay. Like you got some, got some density, which really helps. You know when you're, you're dense and you're built low to the ground like that, those cuts are a lot easier to make. You know, maybe they're not as eye-opening or eye-popping or impressive, and they look more easy, but that shouldn't be overlooked backs that make things look easy. And and Carter has a couple of things about his game that are like that. My comp for him is Duke Johnson. It's one of my favorite comps so far that I've handed out. Uh, Body type, the receiving ability, Mm -hmm. the athleticism, I think it's all there. I like it. Um. How, where are you at on Mac Jones, Joe? Like, uh, the the broadcast got uncomfortable to listen to yesterday talking about Mac Jones. I didn't listen to the broadcast, so I can't. I can't no, you're, speak. You're to it. you're golden then. You're golden. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw you. I saw your Slack messages about it. Um, it, it seems he's. He seems like one of those players where there's going to be a disconnect in people that buy in versus people that think he's a you know, limited player. I mean, there was there was a Tom Brady comp involved. Oh. Yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Why go on television and say something like that? Like you're just you're just setting yourself up to be wrong. Well, then he's the number one pick in the draft. That's who the 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 Jaguars should pick. Mac Jones at number one. And, and listen, that soundbite does not need to exist out of context, right there. So don't do yeah, that, Chris. Don't do that. Yeah, well, I would. I would that. never do that. That's never going to make an appearance on tonight's that. live stream. Never. But you know, it was like we know who Mac Mac is, and we know his accuracy is best to what area of the field, Joe. Talking about the nine route, right? Yeah, so he's pushing the ball down the field. And it looks really good, but like, yeah, it was it was just weird to kind of. I, I found myself asking like, who's who's his agent? Is what I had to ask myself because it's like I want to know like, <laughs> was there some some handshake agreements involved to really drive up his stock? And 
No, they they made some compelling points talking about the the upside to Mac Jones being in attendance at the Senior Bowl was that Zach Wilson's not here, Kyle Trask couldn't practice, uh, Justin Fields not here, so you have Trevor Lawrence who's also not here. But like you're not going to catch Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. No, the the other quarterbacks in this class have some questions. You're coming off an incredible year where you were a Heisman finalist. You ran one of the most efficient offenses in college football history. Come out and show what you can do. And that all makes sense. But like they, they were talking about his quick feet down in the red zone drill, and I'm like, nah. No, that, that there, ain't there, Jones. There's no quick, There's no quick feet here. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's I, I do think the best word to describe it, Joe, is you referring to disconnect. I think there's a disconnect in perception around Mac Jones and what his ceiling can be from at least our perspective. And I know the other guys that we work with largely feel the same way um, versus what we're hearing from the mainstream side of things. And you no know, time will tell which side is right and the side that is wrong. You know, there'll be lessons to be learned either way. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, like th- this, this hype train has jumped the shark. There were a few players who jumped the shark. Like, what do you think the ceiling is for Dwayne Eskridge after this week? On one hand, he's a 24 year old <laughs> slot receiver from the Mac that's a converted cornerback and hasn't played the position very long. But on the other hand, he's. Nobody can stay near this guy, and he gets open and catches the football at a high clip. So, what do you think is what do you think his ceiling is? His ceiling, draft ceiling, top fifty, top fifty, top thirty-two was attached to him on the broadcast yesterday. I felt aggressive saying fifty. So we've we've got top top thirty-two there. We had day two for Sam Ellinger. Uh. We had a Tom Brady comp for Mac Jones. We just we just got really aggressive on the broadcast. And we do that from time to time too. So I don't I don't want to sit here and make it seem like we're taking pot shots, but I'm curious if that perception comes from this is the only assured pre-draft event that we have. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, I'm not I don't want to sit here and, and act like the the presentation of those opinions was just all bad information, but I think it's interesting that well, the guys on the ESPN broadcast pretty well plugged in. So I'm curious if from their perspective, their expectations are being set by the landscape of the events this year or not, which we'll find out in time. Well, I think because of that in general, you're going to have more wide ranging takes and opinions and less consensus when mm-hmm. it comes to, rankings and mock drafts and i've already seen it i've i I love to consume mock drafts um and i love creating mock drafts but you know when i read them and i pull it up and it just feels like there's three four five names that i would never imagine as as first round picks you know it's that's going to be how it's going to be this year and for part of me i think that's fun because i think it goes back to like it, it always goes back to the tape and that's where i want it to be and you know how you um perceive it and value things yeah and grind it and all those things yeah it should lead to good discussion it should if you can be reasonable yeah all right any parting thoughts here uh can i do a quick rundown 
couple sure. guys that I just want to shout out here. Adrian Ely, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. I remember a conversation that you and I had with Lance Zerline about offensive line play, and he said sometimes we get we fall in love with things looking pretty. But at the end of the day, did they do their job? Did they keep the quarterback clean? Did they create movement in the run game? And I feel like that's Ely in a lot of ways. And, and when I'm watching him, it's not beautiful, but my goodness, it doesn't feel like anyone's getting around this guy. Uh, Tony Fields, uh, linebacker, West Virginia, thought he looked good in coverage, and um, a lot of the linebackers didn't. And so that was a, <laughs> a nice uh, surprise. Kate Johnson, the wide receiver from South Dakota State, um, I think that he's been really competitive. I love the, his aggression as a route runner. I think he attacks the football nicely. And then Cam Bynum, the cornerback from Cal. I don't think he had a, a perfect day or anything like that, but I thought it was a lot better than his first day. And it felt like in day two, they allowed guys to play more press coverage. And you could tell that Cam Bynum was a lot more comfortable in that than uh, yeah. you know the off-man reps against Eskridge on day one. How about Creed? I thought Creed Humphrey had an awesome day yesterday too. I wrote him down. Yeah, I, I thought he was a lot better for sure. Yeah, and obviously not having on Wuzurike. Uh, on the practice field help because they matched up against each other a lot on Tuesday. Um, But yeah, we got one more day of practice. Looking forward to breaking it down for you guys tomorrow. So hit subscribe. We're going to be live tonight, 730. So I got Reddit AMA at at 5 o'clock, 730 live stream YouTube, the Draft Network with Chris and Joe. They're keeping me busy today. Joe, you have mock this weekend, so your busy time is coming up. Don't worry. And uh, we'll hit the bricks. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoy the last day of Senior Bowl practices. We will be breaking it all down for you live on YouTube at 730, or if you miss it in your podcast stream tomorrow.